What inspires someone to buy an existing marketing business? Meet Diane. After selling her successful first business, she decided to return to work by purchasing a marketing agency. Diane shares her decision-making process and what she would do differently if she were to do it again. Plus, here are the strategies she uses to become the go-to agency in her county and the marketing activities to get more clients. Tune in. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Welcome, Diane. Before we get into all the goods of how you purchased your business from another owner and the activities that you've taken to become the go-to agency in your county, tell us a little bit about you and your agency. Sure. Mustang Marketing is 35 years old, so it's been around since 1986 and um, trusted in the Ventura County area by my previous partner and founder, And myself, I was a business owner prior to this. I actually owned a business called Strategic Television that did live television. So this podcast isn't as scary for me, you would think, except getting the technical setup. I was a little nervous there. That brought back some old little knots in my stomach. Tell us the story of what motivated you to want to buy an agency. Sure. I think it was just going back to work after selling my company, taking some time off and working for nonprofits and spending time with my four kids. And then really volunteering myself to death and decided I needed to go back to work. And a friend of mine who owned this agency literally slipped me a note in a meeting and said, if you're going back to, I'd posted on social media, I was going back to work. And so he slipped me a note and said, if you're going back to work, think about Mustang, come, let's talk. So we met, we had coffee, we talked, we figured we would give it a try. And I just kind of started working and they were, it was right after the recession. It was down to four employees. And, but I could tell there were really good bones there, creative people, passionate people, and a great reputation. So I went and my job was to, was business development to find new clients. So that's what I did and grow the clients that we had to get them back to maybe a pre-recession era. And I just saw there was so much there. So I'd only been there two years when I started the conversation about, hey, what are you, what's your exit strategy? And can maybe I be part of it? And so it just kind of started as conversations while we were driving to and from meetings about what that might look like. We tried one pass at it where we would kind of join and sell it together. That just was very complicated from a tax standpoint and because um, we hadn't started the conversation soon enough. 
And it really just came down to an outright purchase. That was a great summary of how you came to purchase Mustang Marketing. Before you joined the business, you had never worked in an agency before. Tell me what it was like to join the agency, having never worked for one. And what did you learn about agency life? Everything was new. I mean, <laughs> what they did, how they did it. But I will tell you, because I told you I was in the live television business, when they would push a date, oh, we're going to push this back a couple of days, the due date, I would literally have to like do deep breathing because live television never got pushed back. It was seconds mattered. And so that was the hardest thing for me, the transition. Then it was just learning something new. And I like to think I'm a quick study. And so, but yeah, it was a little stunning at first, just creative people, creative writers, graphic designers, you name it. And they just think differently. I think real strategically. So I had to learn how my strategic thinking could meld with the creative side of these really talented people that I worked with. Oh, it didn't take you too long to decide to buy the agency. It took about two years. What sparked that desire? I love meddling in other people's business. And I mean, literally not like their personal business, but their actual businesses. I like to see, gosh, could we come in and help you make this better? And it could be there were small businesses that we worked with and really large businesses that we worked with. But they all intrigued me because they're different. We're a we're a generalist agency. We don't specialize in a certain industry. And in fact, we try to only have one client in a certain industry. So that just fed my ADD of wanting to be in all kinds of different businesses and getting to learn a lot about a lot of different businesses and how much business is the same and how much it, they think they're all different and how much they really are the same. And what remains the same is a need to have a strategic foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's always if you, you know, if you plan, you're going to have a better outcome than if you don't plan. If you have goals you're trying to reach that are quantifiable and, you know, have some, you know, dates and, you know, KPI set to them, you might get there. If you just are like, I want to grow the business bigger, what does that mean? And so really getting people to, to commit to what they want. What is a, you know, what does that goal look like? And, you know, paint success. Let's look at it together so that we agree on it and both know when we got there. It sounds like doing strategy planning for many different organizations is a passion, which makes an agency setting perfect for you. It is. It's non-profit. I mean, nonprofits kind of probably set me up for it well because I worked in nonprofits. Same kind of thing. If you don't paint what success looks like in a nonprofit, you're not going to get there. At the two-year mark, you decided you wanted to buy the agency. Obviously, it's not as simple as deciding to buy it and having it handed over to you in a few weeks or even months. There's a process. Tell me about that experience. Well, as I said, we talked about it a lot, what it could look like when uh, my partner might be ready to retire. When we first started talking, he wasn't anywhere near retirement. And so... The conversations were how we were going to work together for a while and build the business. And that's really not that smart because you build the business and make it worth more and then you buy it. So it wasn't a brilliant plan, but it, it was an actual proof of concept that there was something there, that it could be a bigger agency, it could serve larger clients and um, learned how to do it. I was really confident. I'd Like I said, I'd run another business before and it was very successful but you want to make sure that wasn't a fluke, that I actually know what I'm doing. And so there was a lot of time 
within my own head, making sure that I really did know what I was doing, that these companies we were working with were succeeding and they were succeeding because of the work that I was able to bring to them. How long did it take for the other owner to fully step out? Well, we we signed papers at the end of 2015 and that began and there was a substantial down payment due at that time. And then they walked away with elegant timing on their part at January 1st, 2020, which was right before we all know what happened then. (laughs) Ah, yes, the pandemic. Leading up to 2020, what are a few learnings over the five years of this transition? I think I learned that for someone else that was buying someone's agency is to get the transition to leadership sooner. Um, I worked with someone who was a friend. So some of those things were hard. Some of the conversations were more difficult about him having to step back and let me make decisions. He really wanted to make decisions till the day he walked out the door and then just turn it over to me. So I really had to depend on friends that were business leaders themselves to say, it can't work that way. Transitions need to transition. And I need to be named president of the company 18 months before they leave and those kinds of things. So the journey was difficult at times because when you're dealing with a friend versus someone you just have a business relationship with, you're always dancing that dance of knowing them really well and knowing when something isn't setting very well with them because you can read it on their face. So it was a dance, I imagine, for both of us to get it done and coming up with something that was financially viable and feasible that was going to work for both of us. All of those things took hours and hours of conversation. And there were bumps along the way. There were, you know, one of our biggest clients got purchased. And so we had to, at the same time dealing with this, what did that do to the value of the company? What did that do, you know, for me? So we had to have those difficult conversations and get through them. And then the pandemic came. (laughs) And then difficulty really came, but that was, that was after the purchase. You're an experienced entrepreneur. You've gone through a recession before and you went through the pandemic and in the season of transitioning the ownership of Mustang Marketing over to you, you set out to make your marketing agency the go-to agency in your county. Tell us how you approach that. That is, that was something I set out with real purpose and intention to do. I am an, I'm elected to the community college board, which is a way down ballot um, elected position, but it is a countywide position. So I get, a, you know, get invited to all the things. So I used that to meet all the people that I could possibly meet and introduce the agency to. And it also gave us from a public relations standpoint, PR is a big piece of our agency, is that government relations piece, I could meet with anybody, I can get in the door, whether it was our state legislator, whether it was city council folks, or whomever it happened to be. Um, I set out with intention to make sure I took advantage of the hard work I did in my elected position, and also made sure that these municipalities knew who to recommend us to, and also to use us. We, the County of Ventura, we did their new logo. The City of Thousand Oaks, we did their logo. And so we've done a lot of work for the municipalities, and then they also recommend us to new businesses that come to town. Did you know that I have a coaching program called the Mighty Pod Model? 
In the High Touch program, we help our clients go from solopreneur to an agency owner so they can gain more freedom by having a service business where client work isn't dependent on them to scale. Maybe you started as a solopreneur with zero people in your business. Eventually, you bring in an assistant and contractors, but you continue to hold on to the strategy and direct communication with your clients. Before you know it, you're at capacity. So what happens if you want to grow bigger? Meet the Mighty Pod model. The Mighty Pod model isn't just a business model. It's a high-touch coaching program that helps you go from solopreneur to agency owner with a profitable, streamlined, and strategic roadmap. If you're feeling like the bottleneck in your business, download our free Mighty Pod model cheat sheet. Go to audreyjoyquan.com forward slash free resources. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com forward slash free resources or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app to get the free mighty pod model cheat sheet back to the show give us some more examples of things you did in the community to set your agency apart from other agencies we started breakfasts where we invited here in in thousand arcs we invited the city manager the school superintendent the director of the um, park and rec department and a few other just real the CEO of the hospital, about 12 people. And we would meet once a month and have these breakfasts and talk about, you know, what, what that was happening in the community. How could we make things better? And that got us in the door with people that really were decision makers, the movers and shakers in this town. And then we did the same thing countywide, the county CEO, the district attorney, the sheriff, and um, by doing that and being intentional about going out to meet people providing actual get-togethers, networking opportunities, where we would bring the sheriff and the, he was a white male sheriff, and there was a woman of color who was the chief of police of one of the biggest cities in our county. And we had them talk about race and policing to an audience, and it was free, and we invited our clients to come. And I think by doing those things and the intentionality of doing them, we became the the agency, the it agency, we had the ear of the right people. I love how you decide to add value by creating opportunities for conversations on culturally relevant topics. The intent was less about marketing and more about serving the community and having a passion for meaningful conversations. I am passionate about these topics. I am passionate about education. I am passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion and how that really looks and works, not just talking about it, but actually making it work. So having those conversations and even just conversations about businesses that everybody has, you know, people struggle. And if they feel like they're in a safe space, they'll talk to you about what their struggles are. And if they know you're really there to help them or there to listen, then you're not necessarily selling your services, but if they ever need them, they're going to call you. So you were hosting in-person events and then the pandemic hit. How did you pivot? The One of the first things I did was I was invited by, we have a center for nonprofit leadership to help small nonprofits. What, what should they do? And so I just tutored them on how to use virtual meetings and um, how to feel comfortable talking virtually like turning off your self view, because when you talk to people, you don't normally see yourself. And so that it was May of 2020 that I did that. And so, and we also worked with the local chamber, again, kind of really closed in on Ventura County, our region to say, this is who we're going to help right now. 
and we were lucky enough to get first round funding of the PPP. So when someone called us and said, hey, we're going to have to cut our retainer or you know stop our retainer, I would say, don't. The PPP is paying my employees, just keep going. And we're going to keep you alive because you can't stop marketing. And so we really kept our clients. We built really deep um, connections by doing that because we were there to help them when they couldn't afford to pay us. And we kept working anyway. I love the pay it forward attitude. I hear the heart behind it. It's about serving others. And of course, that doesn't go unnoticed from clients. Exactly. It's really hard when someone has stopped a retainer and business has been hard. It's really hard to get them to keep going. But if they never stopped, they were actually anxious to want to start paying us in full again if they could or when they could. And we only lost two clients during the pandemic. And one of them was a restaurant. So that was kind of, they just never came back. And another was a financial firm that I think was going to go down anyway. But we really, it did, it built, it built foundational trust that we really were there for them. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. Thanks, Diane. It highlights that at the heart of a great agency owner is the desire to partner and serve others to thrive. Diane, when you joined the agency, before you bought it, how did the team look like then and how does it look like now? The creative team was very young when I joined, but incredibly talented. One of the designers, he's gone on to just an amazing job and with a big tech company. So I think it was finding talent and really recognizing higher talent when you see it. And you'll find a place for it instead of, oh my goodness, I really need this right now. I mean, of course, if we need a writer, I'm going to hire a writer. But there are freelance writers out there. You can get by. What you can't get by is you can't get by without people that don't understand strategy, that don't understand your your customers or your partners, that don't believe in you. My team now, they all believe, we believe in each other. We trust each other. We cover each other so that we can take vacations, take personal care. Over the weekend, one of my staff was at a wedding. One of her clients had something happen on one of their properties and they wanted, you know, the crisis management. And right away, someone else jumped in. I said, Emma, go enjoy the wedding. And someone else jumped in and dealt with the issues that needed to be dealt with. And I think that you build that in a team. You build it. I let them all serve the way I be- they know I believe in service. They don't have to take PTO to go out and volunteer somewhere. They know that that's a piece of who I am and a piece of who this agency mm-hmm. is. So I guess we all have servants' hearts, and it's nice to work with people like that. Your values are visible in all aspects of your business, and a great team has shared values. Tell me about how you nurture values in your business. I think a who you hire. You can kind of look and see what someone's done when you hire. You know, I have someone who works for me and she started a diaper bank with her friends when they first had kids and they realized how expensive diapers were. And they found out that you can't buy diapers with food stamps or the equivalent of what that is now with government aid. So they give away diapers, diapers and wipes. That's all they do is diapers and wipes. And our chamber is honoring them this year as the nonprofit of the year. And ours is a big chamber. And, but because during the pandemic, they went from doing, I don't know, 40,000 diapers to getting up into the 250,000 diapers a year and getting them donated and getting them packed up and the right sizes to the right people. And these are four women that have children. They all work full time. And one of them, only one of them works for me, but I would take them all. But that's, that's, those, those are the folks that work for me. They volunteer. They want to. They're out there. 
trying to make the world a better place. And so they know that that is a big piece of what we do here. We always, we have a we have a discount for any nonprofit. And then we do for small nonprofits during the pandemic. I just gave advice for free. Some, they just needed some help. And even some small businesses, you know, women owned, I suppose I'm sympathetic towards a, a woman. She was a single mom, had just started a yoga studio, which was of course completely shut down. And so just trying to help them get through what could they do virtually? How can they get it started? My daughter is a singer and actress and she's singing. She's doing singing lessons virtually now. So there's almost always something that you can help someone by something that you know. What advice would you give to someone about leading others? Not being afraid to introduce yourself. Most people, they are waiting to be tapped on the shoulder. And it is sometimes really hard to be the person that goes and does the tapping. But what I found out, and I actually learned this from my partner that I bought out, is he, there was nobody he wouldn't email or pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I want to meet you. Can we have coffee? And there's very few people out there that won't take 15 minutes out of their day, especially if you'll drive to them, to meet you. And so I really embraced that. I hope I hope my staff embrace it, that go meet the people you want to meet. Send them an email. Say, this is what I do. This is who I am. I've been dying to meet you, whether it's a supervisor, you know, county supervisor or a, you know, the head of the Port of Wainimi, whoever it is. And we have a great um, organization, Ventura County Leadership Academy. And I've put all my staff through that because you go around and you meet really important leaders and you really learn, dig deep into the county and learn a lot about it. And so I think that's another really valuable reinvestment I've made in my staff. Diane, what keeps you inspired and at your best? Really, my staff, they're younger than me. My staff, my children, that age group, they are such great believers in how is the, how are they going to make the earth a better place? How are they going to make the community a better place? They want the people that you hire now, they want to make sure that you're willing to make the world a better place. And I have so much faith in these um, people that I get to meet. Uh, again, as a college trustee, I get to meet lots of college students and community college students are such a, a wide variety of ages. Some people have come back to school in their 30s. And these are folks that are really putting themselves out there to make their life better. And anytime you see that, I'm inspired. I've seen someone get their AA degree. Um, I worked with her. She was a friend of mine. She was a marketing manager, but she'd never gone to college. And she got her AA degree when she was in her 50s because she just wanted to have a college degree. And I was so happy to get to give it to her and shake her hand on stage. So that inspires me. It inspires me that people want to improve themselves and improve their community around them. And I think if the pandemic did anything, it was people looked closer around them and said, how can I help right here? And I saw a lot of that here in my community, and I wanted to be a part of that. And it was great to be a part of it with the new people I met. Thank you, Diane. Where can people find you and your agency? We are Mustang Marketing, and it is mustangmktg.com. And it is, that's the, the you could tell I was a marketing major because MKTG was always the, the letters following a marketing class. So, but yeah, so mustangmktg.com. We're here to help and help you strategize and figure out and be your partner for a long time. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. 
Hey there, thanks for hanging out with me at the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app and share it with a friend. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you.